I see. So what do you do to get athletes motivated when they aren't and they don't really see visible progress themselves and they don't feel like the work they've put in is getting good results? Yeah, this is always kind of a difficult topic with athletes because we all hit that sticking point sometime or another. You know, we're putting in all this work and we're not seeing the results. And that's when kind of the grind sets in. And when this happens, I, I encourage athletes to kind of go back to their foundations, back to that philosophy we talked about, figure out if they're still kind of in line with what they want to do, making sure that they're doing everything in their power to succeed and to improve their game. Um, and at times, you really do hit a wall where that motivation's kind of gone. The, the joy in it isn't quite there anymore. And I always encourage athletes that, you know, sometimes it just takes pure determination and accountability. You know, you kind of just have to stick your nose to the grindstone and just get through it sometimes. And sadly, I've seen it before and it happens where an athlete gets to a point and the sport is no longer fun. You know, it used to be a, a blast to go to practice and to see your friends and see your coaches. And now it's the opposite. Uh, going to practice every day sucks the joy out of your life. And when we get to that point um, and it starts to really hurt an athlete from a mental health perspective, that's when we have to start having some serious talks about what is best for you going forward. You know, if, if this sport is really becoming a drag on your life, maybe it is time to look in the mirror and consider giving it up. You know, sports are temporary in all of our lives. So there's a bigger there's a bigger picture here where you have to sometimes do what's best for yourself from a holistic approach. And maybe if you get to that point, having these conversations with your parents, with your coaches, with you know a sports psychologist about what is the best course of action. And sadly at times it is to hang it up early. And that happens to tons of athletes and I hate to see it, but if it's what's best for them, then I'm happy that they have found, you know, their best course of action. Have you ever seen an athlete give up even with, maybe you saw a lot of potential on them, but they gave up. And if, if you have, like, why did they? Yeah, it's something that we see that I've seen way too often, even though I'm still very young, you know, I saw it a lot. Uh, when I was making that transition from high school to college, like I talked earlier, it's a big jump and a lot of us are very ill prepared for it. So I've seen it happen typically at two points. One is someone has the talent to play in college and they choose not to because a lot of times it's because they, they want to have the college experience. You know, they don't want this extra added stress of sports in their life. And that's, you know, a completely valid point but it it's tough for me to see that potential not utilized and the other time i see it a lot is within that first semester that first year of college when an athlete gets there and they find out pretty quickly that they weren't ready for what was coming because typically the time commitment with sports in college is way way higher than than it was in high school and they get there and they realize wow i am not as passionate about this sport as i thought i was i do not want to put in this kind of time and we see a lot of people, you know, give up on their sport within that first year. And it's too bad to see. And I think a lot of it stems back to, like we were talking earlier, not being mentally prepared for what college sports has to throw at you. 
So serious injuries result in athletes giving up too. So what would you be? What would? What is your advice for them? Yeah, it's it's always difficult to see that. You know, terrible injuries are sadly a part of sports, and a lot of times it leads to the end of a career, whether that's early on or way into their professional career. And the biggest thing there ties back to that inside out model we talked about earlier, where um, that identity piece. If an athlete is solely an athlete in their identity and they don't really have anything else, this is where we see a lot of people struggle. When an injury cuts their career short, they, they don't have anything else. You know, sports was all they had for a long time. So that's why I try to kind of be proactive with it and encourage athletes from an early, early time on to build, you know, an identity that's bigger than their sport, you know, have other aspirations in life have other hobbies, find other things that bring you joy. So when your sport does end, whether it's from an injury or not, you now have something else to pursue. And athletes are, no matter when you stop playing, you're always going to be this competitive athlete. So finding other ways to release that competitiveness is kind of the best way to get around the end of an athlete, of an athletic career and keep pursuing something. So let's say an athlete goes through a pretty harsh injury and after they come back, they don't really feel the same anymore. And maybe like if it's your basketball, they don't want to be as physical anymore because they fear an injury. What would you advise that player, that injured athlete that's coming back? Um, Coming like the the recovery process, the return to play process from serious injuries is typically pretty long. And when I've worked with athletes going through it, something that I work a lot with them on is visualization. And a lot of people kind of shy away from it because it sounds pretty complex and it can be pretty complex. But on a basic level, if you can sit down and visualize and see yourself in a situation, in a game, performing and performing well, it starts to kind of train our mind to execute that when you get back to doing it physically. So going through that return to play process, one of the big things an athlete can do to avoid that situation you're talking about is to work on visualizing being successful again and to work on their visualization skills as a whole. Now, if they get to that situation and they are experiencing that where they don't want to, you know, jump off that injured leg or they're afraid to be physical again, that's when we kind of have to sit down and have those talks of, you know, where's this stemming from? Is it of a fear of getting injured again? Is it a fear of not being as good as you used to be? And it's different for everybody, but once you kind of figure out what that fear that's that they're still holding onto is, then you can start to kind of work through it, figure out why they are afraid of it. You know, why are they afraid to get hurt again? Is it because they're afraid that it's gonna end their career? Is it because they're afraid of the pain? You know, it's, it's a long process of getting through that and digging through all the stuff but once you can get through it normally athletes are able to come out even better because there's this new sense of you know motivation on the other side to you know defy the odds and become better than they ever were before in your opinion what is more important for an athlete being motivated or being confident i know they're both two like key components but what would you rather see one like an athlete have more of I think, like you said, they're both very important and they go very hand in hand. I think 
the motivation piece might be a little bit more powerful. Not by a lot, but a little bit. Um, I see it as if an athlete is motivated, they're going to put in the extra work to improve their skill. They're motivated to be great. And as they put in this work to improve their game, to get better, they're constantly raising their skill level. And along with their skill level raising, that raises your confidence. So if you're a motivated person to become better, you're in turn going to bring that confidence along with you. And then vice versa, if you're a confident athlete in what you're doing, you're typically going to perform well because you don't have all this other stuff going on in your mind, all these doubts, because you're confident in your ability. So if you're confident, it typically leads to good performance, which will lead to motivation. So it's kind of this like cycle that happens where if you have one, it's going to innately bring the other one along. But I think starting with like a good motivation that drives you to do something is a little bit more firm of a starting point. See, what's interesting is that when an athlete's super motivated and they really have that drive, it's usually good. But when someone's super confident, isn't that bad, that overconfidence for for the mentality of a young athlete? Yeah, it can. There's always kind of a dark side to confidence or overconfidence. And I think the the issue comes in when this overconfidence stems into cockiness i like to differentiate the two because i want an athlete to be as confident in their ability as possible but the confidence is, to me is an internal belief you know you know that whoever you're matched up with you're going to dominate them you're going to win now a lot of times once you get to that point of being very very confident in your abilities that's when you know cockiness can begin to kind of rear its head where you're overtly doing things on the field, you know, actions, words, whatever the case may be. And that's where it becomes detrimental to their performance, to their team. So I would, I would agree with you that high, high motivation is incredible. I also think high confidence is good as long as it's kept in check. You know, we don't want to let that seep out and start to affect your performance and your team's performance because you're being cocky and no longer being a good teammate. What does it sound like to be cocky? Like, what are some phrases that an athlete would you hear from an athlete? So anytime, like, an athlete is going out and telling someone how good they are, that's always kind of a sign. Uh, like I said, you know, confidence is internal. You can say to yourself all the time, hey, I'm the best I'm the best basketball player in the world. I'm the best baseball player in the state, whatever it is. Internally, it's just a driving factor. It's a it's a motivator. It can get that adrenaline up in a game. But once you're, you know, saying it or trying to show up an athlete, you know, in the game something like that, once it becomes physically visible or audible from an athlete, that's when I start to worry about that cockiness coming out and them possibly becoming a detriment to their team. Oh, I see. Um, as student athletes and young athletes, school always has um, occupies some of their time. So how does an athlete balance that work to that training to life um, balance? And what are some tips to maintain that balance? Balance is something that's very interesting, um, in my opinion, because 
at each level of sports, it has a different relationship. If we look all the way up, you know, to start at the elite level, Olympians, professionals, they live in a constant state of imbalance where their sport or their craft, you know, takes up the majority of their time and effort. But luckily, once you get down a little bit lower to like the high school levels, you can get closer to that 50-50 balance or, you know, spreading it all evenly between sports, school, um, a social life, things like that. So it's important to try to keep as close to a true balance as possible. But if you want to get to that elite level, innately, eventually, you're going to have to live in an imbalance. But in the meantime, at that middle school, high school level, I think one of the some of the best ways to try to keep that balance is doing things like, you know, keeping a good schedule, you know, making sure that you're not overextending yourself for one thing or the other, you know, having time blocked out within your day for homework, for some social time, hanging out with your friends, or, you know, doing other things that you enjoy, playing video games, playing a musical instrument, whatever it is. So I think schedules and, you know, keeping yourself on track with things like that are some of the best ways to avoid getting imbalanced too early on. I see. Um, do you have any... So, for example, maybe a parent doesn't want their athlete to devote so much time to sports while the athlete just wants to devote their whole life to sports. So, how would you kind of fix this or propose a solution? Yeah, it's that's that's like the prime scenario that we see so much. You know, mom and dad want you to get straight A's, but all you care about is, you know, getting getting that college scholarship. And it was a battle that a lot of athletes go through. I went through it with my folks when I was in high school. Um, and I think it, it, there's never a perfect answer to that because every situation is different. Um, every parent has different expectations. Every athlete has different dreams. But I think explaining as an athlete explaining to your parents why you want to spend so much time with your sport and explaining to them what your goals are will help them get a better understanding of where you're coming from and at the same time they're still your parents so you've got to listen to them and i think eventually finding some sort of compromise between the parents and the athlete is probably the best way to get through it where maybe you're spending you know four hours after school uh, shooting baskets and only 30 minutes on homework and your grades are slipping. So maybe as a compromise, you cut that down to a couple hours of extra practice and then bump the homework time up to an hour and a half or two hours. You know, being able to talk with your folks and explain both of your sides back and forth is really going to help kind of alleviate some of these imbalance issues that we see in high school athletes. Yeah, that's great advice. And Let's talk about um, setting routines and setting goals. So everyone is different and each athlete might need a different development strategy. So what are the best ways to figure out what routine or technique is suitable for a certain person? So like I've probably said a hundred times already, uh, everything is very situational dependent. So every athlete in each unique sport is going to need different routines you know to get ready for a game to use during a game but it all does in my opinion boil down to kind of a formula to build like a what i call a pre-game focus routine and this routine is something you can do you know in the locker room before the game or on the bus to kind of help get you in that right headspace to go out and perform when the time comes 
And regardless of sport, regardless of athlete position, whatever it is, those, the four aspects that I institute into a focus routine are observation, uh, visualization, strategizing, and a trust piece. So those are the four that I look for. And the first one being the observation piece is just like when you get to the field or if you're watching film on your phone on the bus something like that is just kind of taking in the surroundings you know what is the court or the gym or the field look like what's the weather like in there what does it smell like how are you feeling just taking in the environment being in that moment and understanding you know where you are is kind of the first way to start getting your mind into that game headspace the next uh, part is visualize, which I talked about earlier, the power of visualization where you seeing yourself succeed in the game is already training your mind to go out and do that when the time comes. So spending, you know, five minutes just visualizing the game that you're about to play. Then the third piece is a strategize. Uh, that goes back to the sports specific thing. You know, what's your game plan in basketball? You know, what kind of defense are you running? What's your job on offense? In baseball, you know, what position are you playing that day? Are you pitching? Are you catching? You know, where are you hitting in the order? You know, making sure you have your game plan down. And then the last piece is a trust piece. And it's kind of a final way to sort of lock in this routine and get that head, you know, that headspace locked in and cleared before the game starts. So for a lot of people, this is like saying to themselves a, a positive affirmation, or it can be a physical thing. It's stuff that we see a lot in professional sports and we don't ever realize it. Um, everybody's seen, you know, LeBron James before a basketball game does the powder toss. That to me looks like kind of his final part of his pregame routine that kind of locks it in. Michael Jordan used to do a similar thing with the powder at the bench with the radio guy. It's little things like that that kind of signal to your mind like, hey, it's game time, let's go. And so when I'm building, helping an athlete build this pregame routine, those are the four parts that I make sure are present. And then once they have that kind of locked in, and if we're working in a one-on-one -on -one sense, then we can develop more condensed versions of that to use throughout the game if they lose focus and need to refocus really quick. Um, whether that's in baseball, you know, between pitches or in football, you know, there's a timeout or halftime where you need to get locked back in to go back out. So having these focus routines in place are kind of the best way to make sure that your mental game is on point when you step on the field to play. Absolutely. But when you have these routines and you're super consistent, doesn't that become boring for an athlete? And then maybe that might like decrease the athlete's motivation. So what would be a workaround there? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, because these things become so commonplace for the athlete, we hope that it just becomes part of their normal going abouts. So, you know, you get to the game, you put your uniform on, you do your routine, you play. So it, I try to keep them concise, you know, tops like a 10 minute routine, which is pushing the boundaries of how long I would want it to be. So it doesn't become this, you know, boring work that they have to do. And the other thing to kind of avoid that, that view an athlete has on it where it kind of becomes a chore is helping them understand that this is for their their own good you know helping them know that this is going to help them perform better 
so it's worth taking the extra five, ten minutes to do it before the game. And if it does start to become a chore or it starts to, you know, decrease their motivation, then we kind of go back to square one and figure out what is something that will keep their motivation high, but also help them lock in that focus before the game. Some people, it might be, you know, listening to a certain kind of music instead of doing the visualized piece, you know, kind of implementing that into it. And that's where it becomes kind of a puzzle where you get to plug and play different pieces for different athletes to find what exactly is going to work for them. So it's definitely, these routines definitely aren't an overnight fix. It's, it's a longer process. You know, it takes a little bit of trial and error to figure out what works for you may not work for me. And just trying different things until you find what clicks for each athlete. To achieve a goal, even to make a tiny step, the most essential factor is being patient. So can you talk about why patience is important and maybe with an example? You, you nailed it. Uh, nothing great has, has ever been accomplished just overnight. Everything that seems to be a process, and I think that's very true. Patience is something that I have struggled with a lot in my life. So my example is going to be kind of a personal one. You know, I've got a couple of them. Uh, going you know growing up played all the sports you know i got to high school played quite a bit throughout you know even from a freshman on had success especially in baseball you know i played early found success didn't really have to be patient um then i get to college i went to a smaller school it was a pretty young baseball program uh there wasn't a big like upperclassman presence so i got in as a true freshman and played a lot and I was on top of the world. I was thinking that I was never really going to have to wait for any success in my life. It just kept happening. And then as time went on in college, our program got a lot better. And all of a sudden, my playing time went down a little bit, and I had to kind of go back to a process of improving. You know, I had gotten a little stagnant, a little complacent. And so then I had to kind of build that skill set back and be patient in the time it takes to improve. And that was kind of my first run in athletically with having to be patient for something and having to work for something. And then even now today, I'm getting like the world's largest lesson in patience. Uh, I kind of started this business of mine and I definitely, I knew I wanted to do it eventually, but I definitely wasn't planning on doing it right out of grad school. Um, I kind of had other plans in mind, but it didn't work out. And so I started, you know, my own company here and have quickly learned that it's a slow, slow process of building a client base. And I'm getting a first class lesson in being patient and sticking to my path and sticking to my process of, you know, reaching out, you know, meeting with athletes, building a network and eventually building that into a client base where I can help athletes um, succeed and help them on the mental aspect of sports. So right now is my prime example of learning how important patience is. You know, I would have loved to start this business and then the next day have 200 clients. That didn't happen. And so now I'm going through that process of doing the little things, sticking to my plan and being patient and trusting that it's going to work out. What are some characteristics that are important for setting routines besides being patient and being a good mentally being strong mentally? 
So with an athletic routine, I tie it all back to those four aspects I touched on earlier. But then any other type of routine, you know, throughout life or for other things that you may have, I think, uh, you know, being confident in your routines, setting setting a game plan from the beginning, you know, with an end goal in mind and milestones along the way are like the best bet to making sure that your new routine or your new plan sticks and understanding and building this goal and this plan around your philosophy and your why um, are always great assets to have because if this goal that you're setting out to achieve is tied heavily to your beliefs and your values, you're much more likely to stay the course and to kind of grind through those tough times. So when it comes to like setting these routines and making sure that you stick with them. A lot of it ties back to stuff that we've talked about all along uh, here today with, you know, your philosophy, your beliefs, your motivations as to why you're doing things. What does the quote unquote build it model of growing mean? And I know it was on your website somewhere. So I know it was also like the opposite of that was the fix it model. So can you talk about those two models? Yeah. Uh, so an, again, another topic that was introduced to me by, uh, Dr. Z at Adam state. Um, so the build it model is basically my like philosophy. You could say behind how I work with athletes from a mental perspective. So the build it model is basically when I meet with an athlete, we kind of take an inventory of where they are within those seven, you know, key elements that I talk about and we build off of those. So say somebody's really confident, but they're not very motivated to get better. So I'm not going to tear down that confidence in order to build up the motivation. Instead, I'm going to use that confidence to drive the motivation. So it's instead of like trying to reinvent the wheel and tear everything down and start from ground zero, I'm meeting them where they are and growing from there. You know, the, the tearing it down and starting over is more so the fix it model, which is kind of the opposite and not to say that that way doesn't work but in my opinion following more of a build it model to doing it provides you know quicker results and it helps build those relationships with the athletes throughout the whole process i see more of a general question you could take it anyway what advice would you give to a young athlete that wants to become mentally stronger and resilient so for, you know, when I'm talking with any athlete, uh, I tie a lot of it back to that why. You know, why do you play your sport? Why do you want to become more mentally tough? You know, do you have dreams and aspirations to get somewhere? Um, it's, it's a lot of that type of stuff. And then in a, in a more broad sense, just any type of advice for athletes, in my opinion, is to just enjoy it, you know, and don't take your time as an athlete for granted because like I said earlier, our sports, no matter who you are, are temporary for all of us. Eventually we all have to hang it up. We all have to move on. And so being able to, you know, stay present in those moments of practice, even when you don't want to be there or enjoying the bus trips to games, you know, that's the stuff that you'll remember forever is the little things that you get from sports, the relationships you build. 
So I would tell any athlete, you know, no matter what age they are, from five years old to, you know, a professional, telling them to enjoy it and don't take it for granted because, you know, eventually it's over and you don't want to look back on it having any type of regrets. Yeah, definitely. And how does a relationship between the mind and body impact the performance of an athlete, broadly speaking? And I know we talked about it mostly in this podcast, but maybe if you could just sum it up and kind of the most important points. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, with my background as a coach, as an athlete, as a mental performance coach, all that stuff, I think both uh, the mind and the body are obviously very, very important when it comes to performance. You can't have one without the other. So making sure you're getting adequate physical training is going to help boost your mental training and vice versa. If you know that you're putting in the work on the physical side, you don't want to negate the mental side. And if you're working on your your mental training, but you're not working on your physical training, you're never going to achieve what you want to achieve. Because at a bottom line, sports are primarily physical with the help of the mental performance. So they they impact each other so much and they they cross back and forth both mental and physical meaning that without one without the mental or without the physical you're missing out on you know all the potential you could have. So I always encourage athletes to put the time in and work on both mental and physical skills if they have any type of aspiration to continue playing sports at a high level. Yeah, those people that want to play at a high level, how, what should they know from an, an elite-level athlete, from a good one, um, in regards to the, their routines and building one and sticking to one? I think some of, a lot of times, uh, the routine aspect is overlooked because it's something that when you look at elite, elite and great athletes, it's something we don't see on TV You know, every Sunday. We don't see all the little things that they do throughout the week to make sure they're prepared. So I think being extremely detail-oriented and making sure that you're doing the right things day in and day out to give yourself the best chance to go out and perform is like the best advice that I can give, you know, a young athlete that's striving to become great is making sure that you're putting in the work, you're sticking to your plan, and you're motivated to get to wherever you think you can. Yeah, definitely. Of course. Um, my last question would be, from your experience in the classroom, on the field, as an athlete, and as a coach, what has been the most important lesson that you, that you have learned and why? Man, I, as I, I tell everyone that, you know, sports are incredible. They teach us tons and tons of life lessons, whether we're athletes, coaches, teachers, parents, whatever. But I think the biggest lesson that I've learned as both an athlete and a coach is the importance of relationships. It's something I talked a lot about early on in this conversation, but it's something I'll talk about till I'm blue in the face. Um, as a coach, you know, the relationships I formed with my athletes was, were incredible and still are. You know, I'm a couple years removed from coaching that baseball team and I still have my former players reaching out to me and we just check in on each other. You know, it's it's those relationships that really transcended baseball. And then as an athlete without, you know, sports, I would have no friends in a very honest sense. 
Um, every friend I have in, in life right now, I met through sports in some capacity, whether it was in high school or whether in college. You know, my best friend to this day, we were college teammates and we still talk every single day. So I would tell anyone that, you know, the biggest life lesson that I got from sports and I'm still learning to this day is the power and the importance of relationships. Wow, that's that's powerful. And yeah, I mean, do you have anything else you'd like to share with the audience? I mean, I'm I'm really grateful that you had me on here. This was a blast to kind of talk about this stuff. And I hope, you know, with the work that you guys are doing and everybody else in the field of sports psychology that, you know, over the coming years, this stuff continues gaining traction and people continue to learn how important, you know, training the mind is to becoming great athletes into, you know, having success. So again, yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, this was a blast and I hope uh, I was able to give some people something to take home today. Bryce, thanks so much for having, uh, for joining us. And I personally learned a lot, so I know it'll be helpful for the, uh, the athletes listening. So thanks. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Mind Design Sports Podcast. Before you leave, please show some love for the podcast by subscribing, liking, and commenting. Stay tuned for next month's podcast with a new guest speaker. 